We get to celebrate today what a great gift and what great things God is doing here at EBC. But more than all of that, more than all the things that God has done, more than all the things that you have given, more than the commitment that you've made over the next three years, here's the beautiful thing about all of that. More than all riches, is Jesus Christ better than that? Okay, hang on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, y'all must not have heard what I said. I just let me do this again. All right, let me. Above all the other things that we've seen happen, above all the other riches that are going to come in, above all the things that are going on in your life, is Jesus better than that? Yeah. All right, that's a little bit more what I was anticipating and expecting with that. Now you got to understand that when Bart told me this past week, he said, "How would the Walking Fiesta like to do the celebration sermon?" All right, so and around EVC, I'm known as the Walking Fiesta. I don't know why that I've been given that name. But I was so excited about this opportunity. But I want to tell you, and I want you to, to help you understand this. Because somehow Bart gave me the great opportunity to all the dessert fellowships of, t- of saying what the actual goal was of $750,000. I was so thankful for that opportunity to be able to place that out there. Because I want you to, to, to take me very seriously in this. Our consultant said, if you give between one, if your church, if the church commits to between one and one and a half times your yearly budget, that is a phenomenal campaign. And so we had to choose a number that would be our goal. And as we prayed about it and sought God in that, and we came and we said that number, I need you to understand we literally would take a deep breath before we said that number out loud and say, 750000 is our goal. And I'll be honest with you, I heard a few of you gasp as we said that number as well. Alright? And as we said what's out there, and I need you to understand that the goal of seeing that, that, that wasn't even the, the actual goal. One and a half times our annual budget is $806,000. And you guys went way above and beyond that. Amen? Give God a hand in that. And I realize that there may be a few of you who have not pledged yet. And so that you can just... We want to inspire you to go above and beyond even further. But you see, this is no small thing. Do you think our culture understands what it means to celebrate? Does our culture get it? Last week... Well, I think they do. Alright? So, I think they do. Last week when the Dallas Cowboys defeated the New York Giants, do you think they understood a little bit of what it was to celebrate? Do you think it even... Carter Stadium yesterday, TCU Horn Frog fans. Sorry, Texas Tech fans, but do you think those Horn Frogs? And I got to tell you, I grew up in the Southwest Conference, and I got to tell you guys, we made fun of TCU fans. I'm just here to tell you, okay? I mean, all the other Southwest Conference teams would come in, and Texas was yelling, and Arkansas was yelling, and A and M, and those cheerleaders were yelling, and all those things, and it was coming in, and here were the TCU fans rich and wealthy and sitting in their very good seats and just nothing to celebrate necessarily. But they knew how to celebrate yesterday with a win, didn't they? Do you think that um, that in New Orleans for Mardi Gras, do you think those people know how to celebrate? They Okay, easy now. <laughs> no personal testimonies from the back of the church this morning, alright? Our culture knows how to celebrate. But in our church, sometimes I don't think we realize what it means and how we actually are supposed to celebrate when God does something incredible and literally supernatural. And I don't know about for you, but we saw that through this last week. And we thought, that is 
supernatural. We don't have these huge givers at EVC. We are salt of the earth kind of people, every single one of us. And as we do that, we do more together than we could separately and apart. And that is what we celebrate today. As equally, we sacrifice. And we want to celebrate what God has done. But this, as we've said, is the starting line of the journey as we go forward into this. So we want to take the time and the understanding to celebrate this. My, my daughter knows how to celebrate, okay? My older daughter, Kara, knows how to celebrate. And last Sunday on Commitment Sunday was her birthday. And I think she was a little scared that with all the hubbub around Commitment Sunday that she would not get to celebrate her birthday. My daughter actually told me, we have to celebrate this birthday. Why, dear? Because it's my golden birthday. And I'm like, what in the world is a golden birthday? Well, if you don't know, the golden birthday is when the numerical value of your birthday, for hers, 19, fell on October the 19th. That is a golden birthday. And evidently, it has great significance and speciality with it. You understand what I'm saying? I said, well, great thing, dear. Mine was in 1981, and nobody told me about my golden birthday that I should get to celebrate it. But we know how to celebrate in our culture, but in our churches, in this church, do we know how to celebrate? I want us to look at a passage today as we claim and we thank God for what He's done and we remember this day that was a day of sacrifice and a day of starting the journey and a day of taking a significant step just after our 15-year anniversary as a church. We want to remember this day. The first thing we're going to look at today is we celebrate through memorial. We celebrate through memorial. Now when you think about memorial, what do you think of? Sadly, I think of what happened this past week and the tragic nature of the Canadian War Memorial. And how a young man celebrating daily, or however his shift was, his country, a soldier, and how he gave his life for his country when someone senselessly in an act of terror took someone else's life. I think of that memorial. And it will always have a special place in my heart as I think about that young man. I think also, as I remember back just a few weeks ago, taking Kara to her new college dorm, of which she shares a bathroom with just four other girls, and her bathroom is literally three steps away from her room, I remember Memorial Hall. Memorial Hall was the place that my parents took me and dropped me off on my freshman year. Now, it was called Memorial Hall for a reason. It was a memorial to World War II, okay? It was built in 1948. It was plaster, and it had a hard surface, and it had one bathroom for 30 men on Memorial 3rd floor where I was, alright? I was not celebrating Memorial Hall as I took my daughter and went, you're living in this? I got on the, online yesterday and looked at my, my university and what they say about Memorial Hall now. They said, Memorial Hall hosts 92 young men in luxurious opportunities to live and with one bathroom, still has the one bathroom, but it's air conditioned. I went, what? Air conditioning? Memorial Hall never had any air conditioning when I was living there. We had a box fan in the window. That is what Memorial Hall remembers for me. But what do you think of when you think of Memorial? 
I think of those one that one big bathroom that 32 men shared on third floor. I remember going into the stall one day and seeing a big roach on the toilet and I said, I'm sorry, dude, this one's yours. I'll take the next one over, okay? That's what I think of when I think of Memorial Hall. But when we remember, what does God want for us? We celebrate through Memorial. I want you to recall to you a passage that Pastor Bart talked about a few weeks ago in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is called the Shema. And God calls the people of Israel to remember when they stand, when they walk, when they're on the road, when they go out their doors, to remember the doorpost, to remember what God has done. And I want to read what it says in verse 12, which we didn't cover. It says this, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the very land of slavery. EVC, be careful that we do not forget this day. Be careful that we do not forget God's faithfulness and the obedience of His people to take steps of faith and to push out and beyond where they think they can actually do and where they think they can actually go. Remember God in the midst of this. What God has called us to today is to remember, to celebrate through memorial. I want us to look at the main passage of Scripture, one of the main passages of Scripture that we're going to look at today, Joshua chapter 4. I'm so thankful for Charlotte Barnes who put together our prayer walk. Would you guys give her a hand this morning? It was, if you participate, 160 of us or so, I think, participated in our prayer walk a couple of weeks ago. And this was one of the passages that we talked about or that we actually lived out in that prayer walk. And so I want to begin with it this morning as we celebrate through memorial. It says, When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe, and tell them, Take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Now that is highly, highly significant in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. You see, Joshua, God didn't tell Joshua, take the stones from before you get into the Jordan. He didn't say, on your way out of the Jordan, go ahead and pick up a stone that you would recall and you would remember. No. He said, I want you to take a dry stone from the middle of that riverbed Because I always want you to remember that where that dry stone that you chose, that you picked up, you previously did not have the ability to pick up that stone. You choose a stone from the very middle of the what used to be the river that now God has stopped up so that the people can go across the Jordan on dry ground. EVC, I want you to remember this day. I want you to pick up stones. I want you to think about what God has done from the middle of this river. I'll never forget that the very first water well that we dug in Honduras as that that went that bore went down over 130 feet. And I, one of the things that you do is you take all the samples that are there and you bring them back up. And at the very deepest part, there were three rocks that came up with the drill head. And I took one and I gave it to Bart. And I took one and I kept it for myself. That I would always remember what came up from the very first well, from the very bottom. That we, whatever God has done, what He wants to do now, as that first water well that Perry Lunsford led us into to go, that that very first water well led us to a school that we would work with. That now as we led, led us from a school, it led us to a church that we would work with. And it started with that first stone that came up these memorial stones that we think of. As we did this 
a few weeks or just two weeks ago, as we did this prayer walk, it was so funny because at the beginning of the prayer walk, one of the things that encouraged you to do was to pick up a stone and to carry it with you. Now, I did not think about the fact that I was going to have to carry this particular stone that I chose as I went with my daughters, as we went through the prayer walk, that I would have to carry this big stone that I chose. Because I chose a big stone because I wanted to remember it. And I had it on my shoulder as I was carrying it through. And William asked him, he and Melissa came after us, and their two ki- their, their their kids were with them. And of course, William, as he saw me, he picked up this little bitty stone. And with the greatest sense of shame, look that I could give him. I I mean, we're we're about here to the back of the church, and I'm like, really, that little bitty stone? That's what you're going to carry? I have this big stone. So William, of course, not wanting to be outdone, who also hadn't read that he was going to be carrying the stone through the whole deal picked up an even larger stone than my stone and he carried it with him and he is at the end going, Randy, I can't believe that you are. You know, he's giving me all this business about carrying the large stone. But the bigger the stone, the bigger the memory. Right, William? That's right. So you have a bigger memory today. But that's what Joshua has called them to do. I want you to set up a memorial. I want you to remember what God has done. When all the people across the Jordan had said, Oh, I already read that. Sorry, verse 4. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. And he told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan, in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder, twelve stones in all, one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. And we will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, What do these stones mean? In the future, EVC, the newest members of EVC will say, what is this history that you guys talk about? And we will remind them by showing them the video and by handing them a pledge card and say, you can join in this journey with us. This is not just for us. This is also an opportunity for you to join in this with us. We will remember. We'll be able to tell our kids about this. Then you can tell them. They remind us of what... Uh, remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across... These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So the men did as Joshua commanded. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them to the place where they camped for that night and constructed a memorial there. You see, EVC, what we must do is we must remember the different parts of our journey. We cannot forget in our 15 years of existence as a church. Now as we take these next steps to the future, we remember the homes that we met in. We remember the church, the schools that we met in. We remember this building that helped get us to the next phase of our journey. And we'll remember what God has done. This past week, I was looking through a church scrapbook of the first year. And let me just say, EVC is in great need of a church historian, all right? If some of you love to scrapbook and you would love to be EVC's church historian, we discovered this week EVC did a phenomenal job in year one. Year two through 15, we have not done such a good job. We have piles of pictures that need to be kind of placed in order of some of those things, but I was looking through some of those pictures and I found this picture of our pastor. You're not going to believe this, all right? Yeah, everybody says, "Ah, little Luke, doesn't he look cute there? And, and Luke will be in the next service, and I can't wait to say, "Oh, that's so sweet, Luke. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see what's written on Bart's shirt. This is the first, this is year one. We'll go to the next slide, and you may be able to see. It says, going the distance. 
Nobody had seen this yet. And as I was going through it, I was going, oh my gosh, can you look, Bart, have you seen this? He goes, what? He cannot remember the shirt. He doesn't know where it came from. Thinks it might have come from a youth camp or something. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is prophetic, okay? That that is the title of our campaign that we did, Go the Distance, as we see that. Now, here's something else I want you to see. I want us to be able to celebrate. This is the budget from year one of EBC. If you look down at the bottom, you may not be able to see it, but it says 30220 That's the first year's budget for EBC. EBC... In one day, you gave in a cash offering twice as much as the first year's budget of the whole year of EBC. Is that not incredible? Give yourselves a hand for that. These are the things we want to remember. We want to retell the story. We want to tell the story to the newest members of what God has done. Denisha, I want you to go ahead and make your way up here if you would. But the other thing I want you to see is that when we retell the story, we are only as obedient as our last step of obedience that we have taken. And so this morning, I want us to hear from one of our members who's just gotten back from Malawi, Africa. And as she came back from Malawi, I want her to tell a little bit of her story. Yeah, we we tend to wrap that. You can give Bart a hard time for wrapping the... uh... So give Denisha a hand this morning. Tell her you are... Because you love this opportunity just to be in front of everyone. I know this is your favorite. You dream about opportunities like this. By the way, I heard this week that this is now just the number five fear of people to speak in front of others. So it has gone way down. Now, you just got... You're fine. You just got back from, from Malawi, Africa. Now, we just sent the Seaver family as, a, as part of our church to Malawi, Africa to live with their five kids. And they're there. Now, you chose to go to Malawi because we were already doing that in Malawi, right? No. no. did not know anything about that when I chose to. So you didn't know anything about that. But So tell me how you got connected to go to actually this same country. My boss went on a mission trip to Uganda with this med regime company out of Mobile, Alabama in January of last year. Okay. And so as you went, how long were you there in Malawi? Two weeks. Two weeks. By the way, the pictures you see are obviously pictures from Tanisha's trip as she, she did this. Had you, you've gone on many mission trips before, I assume. This was my very first one. Your very first one. And you knew all the people who were going to go on this mission trip. I had not met one single one of them until I got on the airplane and flew to D.C. And they came from Mobile, Alabama. So you met this group from Mobile in D.C. and you hadn't known anybody else. I need you to understand, even the walking fiesta would be scared in that type of a situation. All right? So you go to Malawi. What What are some of the key takeaways that you brought back from that experience, Denisha? The love they have the hunger they have to hear about God's Word and the need that they need for good health care. Okay. Now, did you see all kinds of... I mean, was this a Christian village that you went to? In the village, there was a Catholic church, and the kids each morning would do, you know, the call the Trinity each morning, but we never saw a church service. We never saw the church being used by the village. Mm. We had a pastor conference in the church each day, but when we were there on Sunday, there was never any church services held. Now, what was the primary emphasis of your particular trip? What did you guys do? Our trip was to go give um, health care. They choose villages that are far away from health, you know, hospitals or clinics. This one, I think, was like 60 miles away from the nearest hospital. And they were telling us that a lot of the rural communities turn to witch doctors 
before either that's what their forefathers did or just because they can't get to clinics, they have no vehicles. Mm. One of the pictures you'll see, there's an Ostrong cart that brought people from the farther villages in to see us. Mm. How many people did you guys see while you were there? We treated 2,300 patients in five days. Wow. And Yeah, you clap for that. Amen. There's probably a team of 50 of you, right? There was totally 11. One of those was a cook. We had one PA from Mobile. We had an African doctor that met us, an African nurse that worked with us, and we had one nurse uh, from America. Wow. And the rest, I have x-ray background, but the rest of us triage. We filled orders in the pharmacy. We did whatever we needed. That's awesome. Now, as you did this, what were some of the, the big things that you saw that the children needed in the midst of this time? Did not see any toys. There's one picture that showed of a car that all the all the kids in the village shared. It was made out of some kind of metal and wooden doll and little kind of wheels. And they pushed it with a bamboo stick, and they all shared this one toy. There were, I did not see one doll or any girl toys. They had a ball that they used that was probably out of some kind of paper and plastic with rubber bands around it to make it round. And that was the only two toys that we saw the whole time we were there. And I assume that that was one toy for probably 60, 60 to 90 kids. Eight to 900 kids in this village. Wow. They would use water bottles filled with whatever they could find, but that was it. And so just this, this incredible need. One of the other things that I heard you say was a real hunger for God. How did you really see that come out? Just as they would see us walking through, we also did evangelism um, class. Each time they came to see the clinic, they would go through the evangelism room first and hear the story of God. And we would go out in the evenings after clinic. They would pick a village that was nearby that had never heard of God, and we would show the Jesus film. And the people coming out of the, you know, just out of woods had never heard of Jesus or even probably seen a video of that. Wow. That we would have a big screen showing up. Wow. Well, as you think about this, and see the greatest, the great need that you've seen now. Would you go back? In a heartbeat. Does your family are they ready for you to go back? That is in the back of the room. All right. If I got the phone call today that I can leave tomorrow, I would go. Awesome. Well, as you see this, what has God really done with your own heart as a result of your obedience to take this trip? We take so much for granted here, and there they just. They loved that we were there to help. They were eager to learn. They, we ran out of Bibles. I mean, we didn't even have enough Bibles to hand out to the people asking for them in the village. To be able to go back and to witness and to serve them again, they needed Awesome. Give Denisha a hand this morning. Thank you. As you see, EVC, here's the point. What does this have to do with Memorial? We need to retell our story, yes. But we're only as great as a church, as our last step of obedience. Amen? As our last step of obedience to what God has called us to do and to be. As we go into Honduras, as we've sent a family of ours into Malawi, as this on this day, this day that we celebrate, Jerry and Liz Maxwell, Karen Schwager, and Lorna Attenda are representing EVC in Montreal with... Um, with the Vandiver family there, as we continue to minister and build and create new churches 
in Montreal to the Quebecois people group. As we go into Malawi, as we go and take trips into Honduras, as we work locally with the school, as we take obedient steps like we did last week, and as we do over these next three years, we are only as great as our last step of obedience. I am convinced that Joshua had an attitude, all right? I've never really seen this before, but I want you to think about this as you see and experience this verse. Joshua 24, 15. Listen to what he says. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you. He's saying this to the people of Israel. So if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors who served or beyond, or who served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. What he basically says is this. Listen up, Israel. Listen. You guys choose who you want to serve. Do you want to serve the, the gods of this land? Or do you want to serve the gods of our ancestors? You guys just make up your choice who you want to serve. And uh, matter of fact, why don't you go ahead and serve other gods and I'll see how that works out for you, okay? I think that is what Joshua is really saying. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What God has called us to, EVC, is that we would celebrate God by remembering this day and by experiencing and celebrating what He has done in us and through us. The second thing we see is this. We celebrate God and we celebrate what He's done through festival. Now, it's no accident that tonight is our fall festival. I am asking if maybe from this day forward we should not call this our fall festival, but instead call it our festival of faith. That we would have a purpose for having this festival tonight that is not just an outreach opportunity, but is a remembrance, it is a memorial, it is a festival that we might celebrate what God has done. And it is no accident that we're doing it tonight. This whole process was actually delayed by about two weeks because our architects did not have drawings for us to use in our dessert fellowships. So we had to delay for two weeks. And I think it's awesome that today on the day that we celebrate, we actually get to celebrate and get to serve our community through this fall festival tonight. I have, because I brought with me, I looked up an article today from the Dallas Morning News. And these are 30 festivals that are throughout the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex that are taking place only this fall. Here are a few of my favorites. They evidently did not um, think about this title, The Naturally Isis. Okay? Come on. Hello. All right, Naturally Isis Natural Hair Parade and Festival. Obviously, Pastor Bart's not going to participate in that particular one. We have the Steampunk Invasion. I don't even know what kind of music that really is. We have the National Championship Indian Pow Wow, which was held September 19th to the 21st. I'm sorry, you missed that one. All right, on on October the 3rd through 5th, we had the Lebanese Food Festival. I'm sorry that I actually missed that one. But this one sounded a little bit more like EVC, this festival. Today, this weekend, and today it's being held, the Red Steagle... Cowboy Gathering and Western Swing Festival. If there's ever an EVC festival, it is that one. And you can catch that one. I'll give you. It's in the stockyards today. You can make sure that you do that. Our culture knows what it's like to have festival. But here's what, listen to what Deuteronomy 16 says. It says, Each year, every man in Israel 
The Lord commanded that people, the people of Israel have festivals. Okay? Is that a fun God or what? Okay? Each year, every man in Israel must celebrate these three festivals. First of all, the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of harvest, and the festival of shelters. On each of these occasions, I love this, all men must appear before the Lord your God at the place He chooses, but they must not appear before the Lord without a gift for Him. Alright, you can come if you want to and show up, but you better not come without a gift for the Lord, okay? So from now on, we're going to have festivals at EVC, but you better not show up without a gift for the Lord at that point. All must give as they are able according to the blessings given them by the Lord your God. We celebrate through festival. We celebrate through this celebration that we come communally together. What's very interesting about this is Deuteronomy chapter 14, 15, and 16. Throughout Deuteronomy, what we actually see is the actual finite ways that we are to actually live out the Ten Commandments. And Deuteronomy 14, 15, and 16 are dealing with commandment number four. Now, if you don't remember what commandment number four is, remember this day, the Sabbath, to keep it holy. Now, why did God put the celebration of festivals in the same place as remembering the Sabbath? Because a great part of rest is celebration. And I fear we miss that. We need to celebrate. When we have pushed hard, when we have done hard work, when God has done hard things in our life, when we've given sacrificially, we need to celebrate. Because it's like a momentum game that we would play within our own hearts to say, we've given out, we've played hard, or we've, we've worked hard, now we need to play hard. Now, I'm all about that. If you're going to work hard, you need to play hard as well. And celebrate God in this sense of festival. That what literally happens is celebration is a part of rest. It exists to allow people to recuperate and to rejuvenate their lives. I'm so proud of Allison, my younger daughter. Her team has worked, and her cross-country team has worked so hard over the last six to eight months. Every week during the summer, every day during the summer, my daughter got up at 5.30, 6 o'clock, and would go run. And every day as the school year started, she had already been running for three months. And this past week, they went to their district meet. And by the way, their district has this little team called South Lake Carroll, who is the top cross-country team in the nation. And they made it to the next level to go to regionals. And I was so proud of her because their school had, had not gone to regionals for years and years. And about four weeks ago, we sat in the orthopedics orthopedic doctor's office and the orthopedic doctor after taking x-rays of her two legs said you have what's called stress reactions the next step if you keep running are stress fractures in both legs and these stress fractures you need to stop running she said what's another option because I'm not stopping running my team is going to make it to districts I've been so endured to regionals I'm so proud of her that she pushed through that. But what do they get to do this week? As they go to regionals, they get to celebrate. You see, when we work hard, we need to celebrate and to celebrate what God has done. We do this through festivals. So today, EVC, I'm declaring that we will celebrate at least 
four festivals this coming year that we celebrate what God has done. First of all, in January, we will celebrate what we call around here the Barneys. The Barneys are a celebration that we do for all of our volunteers. That if you give in any way through volunteering at EVC, we give, we have this special celebration that we call the Barneys. Now, we celebrate the Barneys because it has nothing to do with Barney the dinosaur. It has nothing to do with the ability to have a a bullet in your pocket and put it in a gun. Barney Fife, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about. But this is Barnabas. We celebrate Barnabas, the son of encouragement, because where would we be, EVC, without so many of you who volunteer and who are part of this volunteer team? So we will celebrate at the Barneys. We will also celebrate in May at EVC at the park. We will have a huge celebration and we will have a festival together. We will celebrate as a tradition of EVC doing lake baptisms. We did it this past year at Man Church at an event. And it's such an awesome event that's part of the tradition of EVC. And we will now celebrate in October the festival of faith. Amen? Of what God has done and what we've seen Him do in our church. So we will celebrate through festival. The final thing I want us to look at is we celebrate through obedience and faithfulness to the mission that God has called us. We are only, as we take this next step of our journey, as we celebrate what God has done, we must continue to be faithful to the vision that God has given us. Remember that old hymn, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be what? To be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. If we want the joy that God wants to give us as we celebrate what He's done in this great step of faith for us, we must trust and obey the vision that He's given us. We need to remember what this vision is. And I want to remind you what this vision is from a passage of Scripture as we corporately celebrate. It comes from Acts chapter 13, verses 1-3. through It says this, among the prophets and teachers of the church of Antioch of Syria. Okay, so there's this church called Antioch. The church at Antioch has really grown, and the main reason that it's grown is the church of Jerusalem has now, in, they're enduring persecution. As they're enduring persecution, people are fleeing to the north, to the south, towards Egypt, to the, uh, to the west, or to the east, towards Babylon. But many of them go north to this place called Antioch. And he says, now the teachers of this church that's forming in Antioch of Syria were these. Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manaen, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day as these men were worshiping in the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. So after more fasting and prayer, they laid their hands on these men and sent them on their way. You see, for EVC, as we are faithful to, the, to obedience and to this vision that God has called us, to this mission that God has called us, what that means for us is this. We are faithful to be what we've talked about. To be the hub of ministry. This is not about a building. It's never been about the homes that we met in. It's never been about the schools that we met in. It's never been about this building that we meet in or the next. It's about being a hub of ministry. Literally being a church that sends out to plan other churches to see other things take place. To go to other nations, as Denisha talked about. To go to meet the needs of this community. And to do this, this is the purpose and mission of this place. 
to be a hub of ministry. We're on the starting line. These are the next steps. The greatest thing we can do to be faithful, to celebrate, is to be faithful to this mission to which we were called. What Barnabas, this was a very eclectic group. Barnabas was a wealthy man who was an encourager. Saul, the very last name given, and typically when a list like this is given in Scripture, it is given deferential treatment that the first name was likely to be the most important, especially at this time. The first name was Barnabas, this wealthy individual who gave all that he had and was a great mentor, someone who literally worked behind the scenes. The last name that was given was Saul. Saul was a Pharisee. Saul was a persecutor of the church. There couldn't have been two more unlikely men. And they chose the first name and the last name to put them together to go and proliferate this vision and this mission of the church. The others, Simon, said, called the black man, likely from North Africa, Simon of Cyrene. Many and most scholars actually believe that this was the man who took up the cross of Jesus when Jesus fell on His way to Golgotha. This is that same Simon of Cyrene. He also mentions Lucius. Lucius is also likely from North Africa. So you have men from Palestine. You have men from North Africa. You have Menean. Menean is another interesting character because if Menean hadn't become a believer because he was a friend of Herod Antipas, what he likely would have been is in the political system of the day. And see, what God is putting together in Antioch is very similar to what He puts together here at EVC. Unique abilities and characteristics of different people in different places and different personalities. And He places us together to say, now, you go be obedient to the mission to which I've given you. Be, be obedient to what God wants you to do in this process. So in Acts 13, we see this sending out church, a church that EVC is modeled after. EVC, we celebrate by continuing to be faithful to the call that God has given us. Seeking God's guidance, reaching out, making it more inconveniencing ourselves for the convenience of others that need to be a part of this message and this mission. Loving people. That's a key part of this place. Sending people out. Growing to reach the harvest and planting other churches. This is our mission. The next series that we're going into starting next week is called Shine. Shine. We're going to be part of this process between now and the end of December. As we shine, what does that mean? The tagline to that is finding joy in uncertainty. Are these uncertain times that we live in? With ISIS and Ebola, with all these other things. And by the way, as we think about Ebola, we think about what Denisha has talked about. You see, the difference for the church, have you, have you paid attention to what some of these people who've actually caught this? The main people who did were what? They were missionaries coming back. And what have they all said? As soon as we're strong enough, we are what? We're going back. See, that's the picture of who we should be at EVC. When everybody else is running away, we should be the ones running in. Because of, the, of what we know that we have. Because of the, the understanding of who we are. Finding joy in uncertainty. Listen to what, what Philippians, which is going to be the, the passages that we talk about. We're going to be walking through the book of Philippians. Listen to what it says. Philippians 4. Verse 4, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. How are we going to discover joy? In the midst of a certain uncertainty? We're obedient. 
We're obedient to what God has called us to do and to be. Philippians 4.9 says this, Fix your thoughts on what is true and what's honorable and what's right and what's pure and what's lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice. Listen to that. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then what? Then the God of peace will be with you. We find joy. We find celebration when we remember when through memorial. We find joy through festival. We find joy and we celebrate as we're obedient to this mission that God's called us to. Amen? EVC, we're on the edge. We're, on the, we're ready for the start line. We're poised, ready to go. The gun's about to go off. Let's be faithful to that mission and purpose. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank You for this day that You've given us. We thank You that we can celebrate all that You have done. Lord, we praise Your name. We are obedient to who You are and what You want us to do and to be. God, I pray for that person today who may not know the joy of You, who may not have experienced a relationship with You. And God, I pray today that they might take that step of faith and invite You to be their Savior and Lord. And that they too can be part of this celebration. The joy that we find in You, Lord. Lord, that's my prayer, that we would be a church that is obedient to the mission you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.